we start out so innocent and then so many people get warped by things that are not their fault. And I know we still have choices and we're responsible for those choices. But I do think that there are a lot of more reasons to believe that there's a higher power than reasons to believe there isn't. This is the Humans of Gaming podcast, an open and honest conversation about games, life, and belief. Welcome to Humans of Gaming. I'm Drew Dixon. I am the Chief Content Editor at Love Thy Nerd, and I'm joined by Chris Gwaltney. Hey, Chris. Hey, I am co-host, cohort, um, sidekick, really, for this podcast, and I am uh, the Chief Executive Nerd for Love Thy Nerd. And yeah, welcome to Humans of Gaming. This is where we have folks on that you know contribute to the games industry in some way whether that's video games or board games content creators streamers developers publishers and we just want to get to know them as people you know we've just we've seen this trend in games culture of kind of an entitlement like the you know developers or games people owe us something and kind of tends to lend itself to us dehumanizing people and so we wanted to do this show to kind of sh- say like, hey, these these people have dreams and hopes and fears and desires and everything just like you and they're humans too. So And just to add to that, it's also like one of the goals of this podcast is just to highlight how interesting people who make games are. Like I think games are beautiful and fascinating and weird and challenging <laughs> and have so much to offer those who play them. And so like connecting with the people who build who build them and create them and sweat to put them out uh, is is pretty cool because, I mean, they're just fascinating things. So um, what we found is that people who make them tend to be really fascinating, interesting people. Yeah, that's so, a great point. And well, we can talk more about why we do the show. Uh, another reason is uh, I personally have learned a lot, and Drew, I'm sure you have too, on, you know, because a lot of times in these episodes, we, we talk to people about religion or like their, you know, spiritual beliefs or lack thereof. And um, it's really helped me personally. And I've heard from listeners of the show that uh, it is possible to have conversations with people that believe differently than you and not get ragey and salty and mad about it. Um, yeah. And that's another goal is to be able to have those kinds of conversations and hear things differently. And I imagine there's people who like we get into this a little bit on this particular episode. There's probably people who listen to some of this episode and some of the episodes that we put out and go like, why aren't you like correcting that person (laughs) about their theology that I think is wrong or whatever? Mm -hmm. Um, Like there's a place for going like, hey, I think you're wrong about this and let's talk about it. Um, But this not really, this podcast is not really that place for it. But what I hope we are modeling here a little bit is just like listening to other people. I think it's a really important thing to do in our day and age. I mean, we've just gone through some pretty rocky, like 2020 in particular was a pretty rocky year for a a lot of people to put it mildly. Um, and, and one of the really valuable things I think we could all learn in this like highly divisive day and age we have is just to learn how to listen to each other Mm -hmm. and to know, like, you don't have to get your two cents in all the time. Like that, we're really big on relationships at Love Night Nerd. We're getting into the weeds here a little bit, but we're really (laughs) big on building relationships with people. And so when you have a relationship, you don't have to, you don't have to get your two cents in, in every conversation. Like that can come later if you want, you know? Word. So what I never yeah. want to happen and dear listeners, you can always tell us if this happens. I don't ever want these shows to be more Drew and I talking and less of a guest talking. Like if we're yeah. truly modeling what we're talking about, 80, 90% of the talking should be the the person that we're asking the questions of. So hopefully that's the case. But anyway, for this show, uh, it was a really good chat with Liberty. Is it Kiefer? Kiefer? I think so. Kiefer. We never actually asked her. I didn't anyway, how to pronounce <laughs> her think, last name. I think I introduced her as Liberty Kiefer, I'm pretty sure, and she didn't correct us. So, okay. um, but yeah, we'll keep this in there, and then she can uh, yeah. message us and be That's like, right. why did she get my name wrong? Yeah. Um, I thought we were friends. That's what she'll say. I know. Yeah, we bonded over all kinds of things like Montana and bears and hell and 
everything else. So, um, yeah, it was a really cool chat. If any of those things interest you, uh, she made a game and that's actually a really cool story because it's kind of a, uh, I don't know. Rags to riches it's isn't the right way the to path, say it. Yeah, but. it's not. Hers is not the path that many people go on yeah. to make games. Yeah. Um. So if you've been like toiling for years and years to make a game, uh, this one, this conversation is going to tick you off a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might. No, but she's so uh, cool, let, man. Like she's just very easy to yeah, talk yeah. to, and like opening, sure. uh, you know, opening up about a lot of things that you know most people maybe wouldn't. And she's just very sincere and. Um, and humble too, I think. Like it was just really refreshing. Yeah. And the only person we've ever talked to from Montana, because I think only like three people live there. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right about Actually, that. Actually, we know at least five that live there because her family. But yeah. So yeah, it was a good chat and I uh, hope yeah. you guys enjoy it. Um, you know, make sure to, uh, you know, find us on lovethynerd.com if you haven't already. Uh, we actually just got these new hoodies in um, that are pretty cool. They're soft and feel nice and they say Jesus loves you, nerd. So if you want to grab one of those, you can just go to our store, lovethynerd.com slash store and uh, help us out. You know, it helps us put on things like these podcasts and, and make more cool merch stuff. So yeah, the new hoodie says Jesus loves you, nerd. So it's mm-hmm. got a cool, like fun message i like yeah. that message anyway you get so many um, good looks from people when you're out and about yeah yeah and uh because it's almost sounds in a way like you're you're saying something really nice and affirming but then also it almost sounds like an insult yeah it's borderline <laughs> so that's my sweet spot man you just keep so, people yeah, guessing it's yeah keep people guessing that's right i love it though i mean i'm a little bit biased but i'm not kidding when i say it's the most comfortable hoodie f- yeah. that i own they feel very nice I wear it almost every day. Yeah, you should wash it sometimes, though. Don't tell me what to do. Hey, enjoy this chat with Liberty. Hey, Liberty, how are you? Doing pretty well. How are you? Doing good. So you're in the great state of Montana, we discovered. And um, what's what's that like? What's life like in Montana? Well, it's kind of like other places, but with less people and more cows. Yeah. Great. So how long have you been in, in Mon- what brought you to Montana? I don't meet many people from, from Montana. Uh, I actually grew up here and then um, my husband and I actually met in the town that we're living in now or living right outside of now. Um, mm-hmm. And then we've moved away and come back and moved away and come back um, often for his job. He's a software developer. And yeah, we just finally moved back and actually bought a place for the first time. So we're kind of putting down roots now and it's really nice. (laughs) You're like full-fledged grown-ups. Yeah. What was that like, like buying a house during all this pandemic stuff? Or how has that affected being, you know, Montana? Uh, It's actually made the COVID situation a lot nicer for us in that we are living on like 20 acres of woods. up on the mountain and uh you know we only go to town like once a week and when we do it's a town of 500 people so we know everybody and um it just makes it feel a lot more normal and a lot less scary i guess i mean you're never worried about like really weird stuff happening (laughs) do you like uh living in a town where you kind of know or close, I guess you're not actually in the town, but close to a town. The town that you identify with being a town <laughs> of like 500 people where you know everybody and everybody knows you. Yeah, I think, you know, like I said, we moved away a lot of times. So we have had uh, our struggles in the past of just being content. And we were both like travelers. And so we wanted to go see what else was out there. But we always kind of feel called back here because I think what's great about a town that small is that you have to really want to live here to live here. So it, it attracts like a very unique kind of person who um, is willing to do without certain things um, in order to have the kind of lifestyle that you have here. And I don't know, I guess I just, I'm one of those people that really, really likes being here. I can see that. Like, it's interesting, you know, we, my wife and I have lived in Nashville, my, my family for, I guess like over six years now. I'm trying to do the math, but that's boring, so I'm not going to. Um, no, but, please, uh, please run us through it in painstaking detail, okay, Grandpa. Please. <laughs> no, but uh, we were talking. We we moved from 
before moving here, we lived in a smaller town, like not 500 people, but a town of like, I don't know, 25 or 30,000 people. So a lot smaller. And it had that kind of feel where you just kind of, we felt very connected to the community and like we knew everybody, everybody knew knew us, but we kind of didn't like, like there were things we really liked about that. We really loved um, some of the community that we built there, but it's just frustrating all the things you can't do and all the opportunities that aren't really available to like your kids and stuff. And so we, but now we live in Nashville and we're, we're realizing like, it's hard to build community here in a, in a city this big with as much going on and everybody's spread out so much. I don't know. I feel like we've struggled to build like close friendships in some ways. That was definitely part of what kept bringing us back here is we would come back to visit and like you walk in to any business in town and they're all like, Oh, you guys are back. You know, how, how have you been? And just kind of feeling like Mm -hmm. you actually matter that your presence makes a difference um, where you're at, I think is a really, um, it's something I really missed when we lived um, over in Washington. And um, I think that plus just, it's probably the freest that I've ever felt being here. Everyone just kind of, very live and let live and um you know you can walk into the grocery store in your pajamas and nobody is gonna look at you weird it's just kind of very non-judgmental um mm-hmm. very cozy place every everywhere you go kind of feels like your living room dude i'm going to montana <laughs> <laughs> are you like close to the mountains and stuff are you in the mountains what uh yeah we're kind of in she a, said yeah, on a mountain right like kind of yeah we're kind of like we're just up this little country road, uh, kind of on the mountainside. So like our property, a lot of it is kind of sloping and it's all in the trees. So yeah, the only really big, big challenge that we've had so far is we do have black bears here. And oh my gosh. Um, of course we moved here kind of early, well in August. Which means you get bears? Yes, we have bears and we had bears in our, like in our front yard and on the porch and, you know, like pretty up close. And Oof, nope. <laughs> nope. So, what what is are we talking black bears, grizzlies? What oh, what are we talking? Bear, yeah, both. And they're and we were okay. seeing like kind of juvenile black bear, not like big scary black bears, but oh, okay, well, that makes it better. Not. I think people like don't realize how terrifying a black bear can can they can be huge. Like some people tend to think like oh grizzlies are the big ones, but like a black bear, a full grown black bear is is huge yeah they can get pretty big the one the one we have i don't we we i keep saying one or ones because we're not really sure like we can't tell them apart so we might have just one that lives here we might have a couple yeah i saw the reason i was the reason i was kind of going on about black bears i've seen one up close pretty pretty like closer than i'd wanted to be like i I was mountain biking in north carolina oh that was recently wasn't it yeah, it was probably like a year ago. I turned yeah. I turned a corner on the trail and it was in I think it was in the spring, so you know, the leaves were out when you, you I couldn't see it until I came around the corner. And it was probably thirty yards away from me. And it was huge. And I just froze and was like, What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> but he it was just probably thankfully thinking it kept, the same thing. Thankfully, it just kept going, walking straight up the trail and just just didn't really even pay attention to me. So, it just kept walking the opposite direction for me and I turned in it, but it wasn't getting off the trail. So, yeah. I was like, well, just guess I'll go back. <laughs> I just turned around and left. Yeah, they, they kind of don't want to confront you unless, I don't know, you give them really good reason or if you scare them or startle them, but they're, they kind of want to leave you alone. Unfortunately, um, the the bear, like in the fall, they get really hungry. And so we did um, have one bust into our chicken coop and killed two of our chickens. So that was a big bummer because the girls were pretty attached to them. But um, yeah, so we're learning, learning some new stuff. <laughs> We've never, uh, you know, been this, this much in the wilderness before. So we're definitely excited <laughs> about it, but learning. Yeah. Better. What up, nerd? Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. We hope you're enjoying it. But hey, did you know that Love Thy Nerd airs almost all of its podcasts first on LTN Radio? That's right. LTN Radio is your home for the best Christian rock, rap, pop, and indie music. 
And it's also the place to go to hear Love Thy Nerds content before it reaches the podcast feed. In addition to that, Love Thy Nerd creates a lot of content that's exclusive to LTN Radio that you're missing out on. So go check out LTNOnAir.com and listen for yourself. You can also download the Live 365 app on your smartphone and search in favorite LTN Radio or enable the LTN Radio skill on your Echo devices and simply ask Alexa to play Love Thy Nerd. Now let's get you back to that podcast. Hey, so this is not, whether fortunate or not, uh, this is not the Humans of Montana or Bears podcast. It's the Humans of Gaming podcast. And Liberty, I made a game and we wanted to talk about it and hear from you just kind of that experience and stuff. So yeah. what'd you make? Uh, I made a game called Cristallo. It's a solo slash, we found out it can also be cooperative kind of puzzle card game and yeah it was a kind of designed on a lark for a contest and and then ended up kind of taking on a life of its own after that yeah and i just saw the other day it's at barnes and noble now right it is yeah man congrats that's huge thank you so much yeah i definitely never ever thought that was like a 500 mile drive for you yeah Uh, yeah, where's your closest barnes and noble (laughs) It's probably about an hour away. Uh, I plan to go down there, um, but it's actually sold out there, so I'm going to have to wait. Or, uh, But I wanted to take my girls to go and see it in on the shelves. But um, we have, thankfully, had a bunch of family and friends that have gone out and taken pictures with it in the wild, which has been really fun. Oh, that's so cool, man. <laughs> that yeah. is cool. So what uh, – you said it was kind of designed on a lark. Did you um, – so did you kind of feel like you stumbled into making games or is this something that has always been like in the back of your mind or where, how did you end up yeah. where you are now? I mean, is it something that you've considered before? No, <laughs> um, I wasn't even really <laughs> a hobby gamer at all. Um, it was like something that completely fell in my lap. I was um, like on a car trip with my kids and we were playing one of our little like car games that we do and we got bored with that and we started working on inventing a new one and then that was really fun so we came home and we were like how could we turn that into a game we could play with our family and you know other friends and I realized well I just was starting to learn illustrator so I could probably throw together some cards and so we did that and I was like wow this game is pretty fun maybe we should learn about kickstarter and maybe we could do a little project and do it as a homeschooling kind of exercise. And as I was doing all that research, I was hanging out on Board Game Geek and there was a contest for a solo print and play game, which I didn't know about print and play games. I didn't know that was a thing. And I also didn't know solitaire board games or tabletop games were a thing. So I was just fascinated. (laughs) And I was like, well, that would be a really fun way to just try something different and get involved in the community a little bit. And yeah, I ended up kind of running with that game because it really seemed to um, be fun for a lot of people. So, And it did well in the contest, and that kind of gave me a little bit of street cred, I thought. So I decided to take that one to Kickstarter instead. Still just thinking it was going to be a very small, you know, little one-off thing. And then it, yeah, kind of took off way more than I expected it would. So tell us about the the game, like, what is it like and kind of what do you hope people get out of their experience playing it? Well, when I started working on it, I wanted something that was, I think the little notes that I had written to myself was I wanted it to be pretty. <laughs> I wanted it to be puzzly and I wanted it to be portable because I was thinking if I was going to play a solo game. Some like, great alliteration. Yes, I know, right? That's very satisfying. Yeah, I was just thinking, like, if I was to play a solo game, I would want it to be kind of like the puzzle apps that I play on my phone, which is pretty much the only solo games that I knew anything about. So I was trying to kind of capture that experience, I guess, something kind of like mellow and meditative and, um, you know, with a with a strong sense of reward. So I think that was kind of where the gems and stuff came in. It has these really big chunky shiny gems so when you you know complete a task you get to pull one of the little gems off and it's really like has that dopamine thing <laughs> that you get from one of those puzzle apps yeah so i think that was kind of the experience that i was going for um and it was 
very rewarding to hear that people felt that way about it. So tell us about like, so like, what was the process like for you of getting it from like realizing you created something that people dig and are into, and then the process of actually like getting it published? I think I remember like seeing you. I think you had some. If I if I remember correctly, because uh, we're friends on Facebook, you it wasn't like a simple road for you. No. I think you hit some roadblocks <laughs> and things. What was that like? Yeah. So I don't want to go into too much detail because I'm kind of trying to leave drama behind me. But I will say, um, I had a publisher, um, and things were okay in the beginning, and then kind of went south. Um, for reasons that partially had to do with me and partially had nothing to do with me. Um, but yeah, so that just kind of fell apart and kind of happened in the middle of fulfilling our Kickstarter, um, which they had kind of been in charge of. Cause I, that was a large part of why I signed with the publisher because I was very scared of doing the shipping logistics. And so I ended up needing a, um, new publisher on very short notice and um, thankfully Deepwater Games stepped in and um, really impressed me so I ended up signing the game with them and they have um, now taken it to retail so yeah it was definitely not um, the simplest road and we had a lot of issues with COVID um, and fulfillment and but it's it's finally fulfilled now and it's in retail so I'm trying to put all that behind me and hopefully look forward to seeing it continue. Do you have, like, are you going to keep doing it? Do you have more games that you want to make? Was this kind of a one-off or? Yeah, I definitely have other ideas. And um, I think it, the stress of certain situations that happened with this one kind of had me questioning whether I wanted to do it again. Kickstarter is amazing. I had a really awesome experience running the campaign, the, the campaign itself. And I love the community of that. Um, the publishing side of it was really stressful. And I think I, I'm very wary now. But I think with enough time to like kind of process all of that, I, I think that I probably will end up trying it again just because the experience of actually designing the game was probably I like to tell people it's probably the most lit up my brain has ever felt in terms of like it uses so mm -hmm. many different parts of your brain to like it's hard to explain but it's very very exciting and I like that part so yeah I'll probably do it again <laughs> what's the reception been like of your game so far um what are people saying about it it's been way better than I ever hoped it would be Notably, Tom Vassell, who is not a solo gamer <laughs> and always makes a point of that, mm -hmm. reviewed it and and said it was excellent. So that was like peak moment for me, for sure. And not only that, but actually my favorite part of his review was just the fact that he had clearly played it like a lot of times. <laughs> that, that made me really happy. Like he didn't just play it once and then like, he actually spent some time with it. Um, that's just wild. Like, what a crazy, like, I just, I feel like I want to step back a little bit here because you made a, you made up a game in your car to play with your kids. And like, now you were talking about how Tom Vassell has played that game and loved it. I mean, I obviously there was a long journey from, you know, <laughs> like long journey and lots of changes in different games, but like, yeah. that's what sparked things, you know, like yeah. you, that's what kind of started you on this journey. Like, that's just, I don't know. That's wild to me. It is. It's crazy to think about. And actually the, the reason that we were playing that, those games in the car and we were, um, I was trying to make that trip as fun as humanly possible because it was our trip home from a vacation where we had rented an Airbnb and we were planning to, you know, go out, explore and have fun all week. And instead caught a horrible virus <laughs> and my me and my uh my middle daughter um just threw up the entire week we just sat in the airbnb and just th threw up the whole time so yeah it was like well we're gonna at least have fun on this trip home and that so i like to think that that bug that we caught is the whole reason that i ended up where <laughs> now just crazy and now you're here on the world-renowned Humans of Gaming podcast. I know. You have arrived. Basically Letterman, right? <laughs> I mean. Uh, better, actually. Betterman. Betterman. 
good one. Thanks, Drew. <laughs> You're quick on your feet. Yeah, I try. So do you like, has this, because uh, you weren't really a gamer, like you weren't super into board games before making this game. So it has, has the process of making this sort of like, do you feel like you've entered into that space now? Are you, are you gaming a lot now? Is this, has this changed your sort of your hobbies and things? I mean, we're definitely playing more games as a family now than we ever did. I still don't feel like it's that much because we just have so much that we're doing right now with, we actually also got um, a new puppy who is a great Pyrenees. So she's uh, almost seven months old now, but she's already, you know, like 75 pound dog. <laughs> so we're training her. And then we have the new baby who's four months old and we've got chickens and it's just a lot. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, we've been playing, um, we've actually been playing a lot of welcome Two, which is not a plug for deep water, but they did send it to us and it's really good. <laughs> so, we like that one. Just a coincidence, merely coincidence. Yes. <laughs> what other, are there other like go-to games you guys are playing? Uh, Yeah. So we really like, um, well, my my girls really like Dixit a lot. I don't know if you played that. It's a good mm-hmm. like family one. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Yep. I like that it's mm-hmm. creative and it actually, we, we kind of have a spread of ages. So my oldest is 13 and then the next one's 11 and then the next one is seven. And so she has the shorter attention span. So games like that where... Um, you know, it's not super long turns and it's kind of, uh, yeah, less, less about strategy. She really likes those a lot. So Dixit was a big, uh, big mm-hmm. hit. And my older kids and I and my husband all really enjoy um, The Captain is Dead because we're huge Star Trek nerds. Oh, nice. So that's been fun. But yeah, we honestly have like amassed a pretty good collection now of stuff that we haven't played. <laughs> So I'm looking forward to doing more of that. That's when you know you're like a true board gamer now is when you have <laughs> a bunch of games you haven't played. This just happened to me over Christmas because like we're on lockdown and I had like hernia surgery and all this stuff. So like I just haven't been able to play games with people. And now I have like five or six games in my collection that I haven't played. And I've always prided myself on being the person that didn't have unplayed games in their collection and now I'm just now I'm just a, a statistic. I am finding that even though I don't know a lot about board games, although I've done a lot of research now, I guess just for research purposes, um I do have I do overlap a lot with like the board game community in terms of other stuff that I like. So like I grew up with all of the Nintendo games and um you know, I'm really interested in uh, a lot of shows and things like that, that, that people in the community also like. So I find at least I can still talk to people, um, and not just about my game, which would be really boring. (laughs) (laughs) Not that my game is boring. I'm just saying, you know, that's all I knew about. That would be not very fun. Yeah. There's always, I find there's always a lot of overlap in nerd culture stuff, you know, like it's rare in my experience to find somebody that's like, nope, I only do board games. Don't talk to me about any other kind of nerdy stuff. I just, I only <laughs> do board. Like, you know, there's, if you're a yeah. nerd, you're kind of a nerd and you like lots of different nerdy things or at least a few different nerdy things, you know. It's Mo from the Back Row Morning Show and I've got five random facts for you. When the show came to an end, the cast of Friends negotiated syndication rights for themselves, which means they receive a percentage of the revenue from reruns airing across all broadcasting companies. Since the much-loved TV show still pulls in around $1 billion in revenue, the cast all make close to $20 million a year for doing, well, nothing. Pluto was discovered on February 18, 1930. It is the farthest dwarf planet from the sun, requiring it to go a much farther distance than we are used to on Earth. It takes 248 Earth years for Pluto to complete one rotation of its own around the sun. This place is Pluto's first birthday since its discovery on Monday, March 23rd, 2178. 
While sharks account for almost 53 bites per year, only one of those ends up being fatal. Cows, on the other hand, kill around 20 people per year. Cheetahs can't roar, but they can purr, meow, hiss, bark, and growl instead. And Resident Evil is one of the most successful video game franchises in history, having spawned dozens of sequels, movies, toys, books, and board games. The original Resident Evil PlayStation game holds the record for worst video game dialogue according to Guinness World Records Gamers Edition. For more fun facts and hilarious nonsense, tune in to the Back Row Morning Show Monday through Thursday at 7 a.m. and again at 9 a.m. Central here on LTN Radio. So you grew up in Montana, in this same town that you're living now, right? I live about an hour from where I grew up, so close enough that that's like where we go for grocery trips and stuff like that. But it's it's a bigger town, so and when I say bigger, I think it's like 20,000 people. I don't know. It's it's about as big as they yeah, get. Like a here. Walmart. Yeah, it's got a Target. It's got you know. What was uh, what did your what did your parents do? What was your upbringing like? Um, my upbringing. Well, uh, I was raised by a single mom. Um, she was going to school to be a teacher, and um, yeah, my dad was a musician, and he ran off to Nashville. Oh God! <laughs> Dang it, Drew! Sorry. Come on, man. Nashville is full of dads, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a t that's a t shirt. That's the box quote for this podcast. That's a t shirt. <laughs> There's a good relationship now, but he, um, yeah. So he was off doing the music thing when I was uh, little. But y'all weren't close when you were younger. No, no, I didn't. Um, actually, didn't hear from him until I was like 15. So, yeah. Oh wow. And he, uh, sorry, that's really interesting to me. So he initiated that? Yeah, it's kind of a complicated story, but he um, was with a woman who was kind of really not mentally well and um, was very controlling and jealous. And um, so he kind of didn't contact us for a long time, I guess, partly because of that. But it's still kind of not a great excuse for all of the years. (laughs) But he went through a lot. And so when he he and I uh, finally came to visit, I just kind of decided to let it go and try to have a relationship because, you know, life is short and just didn't see any benefit in being angry. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask you how you arrived at that because I know a lot of people like, you know, really struggle to connect with a parent who is, you know, checks out. But it sounds like you were you got to a place where you were willing to forgive and what what kind of how did you get there? <laughs> yeah, so it's been a lot harder for my brother. My brother was two years older than me, and he kind of bore the brunt of you know trying to be the man in the house, I think, and so he had has still some more resentment about that. Um, and I think probably he probably has more memories too. He does, yeah. Um, so he remembers you more know, about my of, dad of your younger days, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I really just didn't ever know any better. It was kind of just the way it always was. So I think on that level, I just wasn't really angry about it. And then when he contacted me, I was like flash in the pan, like really angry. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? But I got over it really quick. I think that's also just kind of my personality. I, I tend to not hold on to things and never really been a grudge holder. and. I don't know, like maybe to a fault and very forgiving. So like I, he knows, and I know that it'll never be a relationship like it would have been. So we just kind of make the most of it. And he's more of like a friend, I guess. But yeah, he has a ton of regret. And I think that that kind of softened me up to where I was like, well, he has to live with that and like what he missed out on. And I don't really need to like rub salt in the wound. Did you grow up going to church or anything? Was religion a part of your upbringing? Yeah. So like a lot of people in our area, um, I was raised Lutheran. Was that, that's a big thing in Montana or that part of Montana anyway? So my, my mom's family on that side is Norwegian. And so the Norwegian like path is kind of like, it seems to me anyway, this is just anecdotal, but it seems like they go from Norway to Minnesota to Montana. (laughs) (laughs) It's the Norwegian pilgrimage. Yeah. 
Yeah, so um, I think they like to stay where it's mountainous because it's like more like home. I'm not sure. So yeah, I was raised in a Lutheran church and it was very Norwegian. Like they had lutefisk dinners and um, which is like a really weird fish. I don't know. <laughs> I just remember it smelled really bad. <laughs> Norwegian food is not the best. I love my heritage, but. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. is Norwegian food? Like. Yeah, other than fish. So my grandma used to make lefse, which is like a, it's like a tortilla made of potatoes. And then you wrap up butter and sugar and cinnamon in it. That sounds pretty good. That sounds incredible. Um, and she used to make something called rumagrit, which is kind of like a porridge with, um, you put butter and cinnamon and sugar. This is kind of a theme. <laughs> I see. Yeah, Dude, I'm, I'm about it, man. Yeah, I'm Italian on my other side and I definitely prefer Italian food. <clears throat> so that was like, so you grew up going to a Lutheran church, um, and is that is that where you are now? Are you still still Lutheran, or or did you uh, like did you stick with it? Did you stick with the with the faith, or, or did you ever have a time when you like like peace peace out? I, <laughs> I can't do this anymore. Yeah, so um, I had kind of an interesting path, I guess. I um, I ended up applying for a scholarship to a boarding school when I was 14. What motivated that? Were you like, I want to try something different and new or did you want to get out of town for a while? <laughs> yeah. So at the time we were living in a kind of a crappy, I don't know, that's not a good word, but I don't know, just not a very nice town in uh, the middle of Montana out in the windswept plains. So it was basically like North Dakota, uh, nothing against North Dakota, but it was just very flat and very windy and very cold all the time. And um, the school situation was less than excellent. And so there was this scholarship for specifically for Montana kids. And the scholarship was for full room and board and tuition for four years and then 15000 a year for college for four years after that. Dang. That's a nice scholarship. Not a bad gig. Yeah, it's a, it was... It was significant. So um, I had watched like a video about it um, and seen the campus, which is beautiful. It's like 2,000 acres um, in New Hampshire. It's really, really gorgeous. I saw all the opportunities there, uh, things that you, I mean, I, I basically said, all right, you can take Latin and play the harp. I'm in. So, <laughs> <laughs> As a 14-year-old. Do, do you play the harp? I did. I ended up taking Latin and um, playing Celtic harp. So, yeah, I was like, even then, just very determined uh, child, I guess. So, where was I getting with that? Oh, yeah. So, there was a um, youth group, and I actually ended up um, being one of the heads of the youth group there um, my junior year. And it's a two year position. So, it would have been for my junior and senior year. Um, but I was, by my senior year, I was really struggling <laughs> with a lot of it. Um, specifically the idea of sin and the idea of hell, particularly as it applied to say someone who like grew up in a different religion and therefore like wouldn't be considered saved. And that like someone who's like born in a Muslim country, um, those were questions that, really bothered me and ate away at me I guess and so my senior year my way of dealing with it was kind of just to not go to meetings which is really passive and kind of cowardly but um even though you were in like some sort of like elected you said you were like head of the youth group for a, for a two-year term they had a term limit even <laughs> I know it was terrible hey I did the same thing when I was about that age so don't sweat it Really? Yeah, we had this we had this really wonderful chaplain who was kind of like the faculty overseer for the group and he was um from Ghana actually of all places. He's a really cool cool guy and he kind of like saw me on campus one day cuz all the faculty lives on campus. Like you can't escape them. Yeah, so he said, "Would you, you know, I noticed you're not coming to meetings anymore. Is there something you want to talk about?" And I said, well, yeah, I'm not really, I just can't really wrap my head around the idea of like a loving God who would punish someone to hell. 
and I just, yeah, I just couldn't get around it. And he said, um, oh, it sounds like you're having a crisis of faith. You should come down to my office. And I just never did. And I always, he would just look at me like kind of sadly <laughs> after that. And I was like, I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So that was kind of where I like diverged, I guess. My brother is still really um, involved in the church and he was a camp counselor at our Bible camp, which I still absolutely have the best memories of. It was on uh, this huge lake down here. It's really beautiful place. Yeah, it's kind of hard for me because like I would love to send my kids there, but I still, I still have those like doubts and struggles about it. And yeah, so it's still that particular issue that you've never like resolved, I guess, or or maybe you have resolved, and it's just that you can't accept the idea of a loving God who would who would punish people for eternity yeah yeah i think maybe that's it i think maybe that's the sticking point and and i know that's kind of a weird thing because i listen to a ton of true crime podcasts and i know that there are like monstrous people (laughs) um but i also have that side of me that's like but how did they end up that way because they weren't born that way i don't think and like i look at my kids and i'm like you know we start out so innocent and then so many people get warped by things that are not their fault. And I know we still have choices and we're responsible for those choices, but yeah, those are the kinds of things that I like really battle with. But I do definitely think that there are a lot of more reasons to believe that there's a higher power than reasons to believe there isn't. If that makes sense. I don't think it's weird that I think most people, most, you know, professing Christians or agnostic, whatever, like, I think that's a big sticking point for lots of people that, that one. Um, it's certainly something that, that I give a lot of thought to, and I've come to my own kind of, I think conclusions about it. Uh, but I think a lot of people probably just preferred not to think about it because it's too hard. Um, and I think, you know, if I'm sharing Chris's uh, thoughts on it, like I think a lot of it is our own bad interpretations of biblical text. People aren't given the tools. They aren't taught how to read thousands-year-old text and how to interpret it well. And thankfully, I'm actually really glad in the last few years there's – there's things like the Bible Project or there's other resources out there that are doing a much better job of like contextually understanding the Bible. Yeah, we still have a long way to go, I feel like. And um, so I totally get it. Like I, I yeah, I don't, I don't think it's weird that, that that's something that has, you know, hung you up. The thing that bums me out about stories like yours and um, I mean, it sounds like at least in your story, you had a guy who was like, hey, let's let's talk about it. Um, but I think a lot of times people bring up questions like that and then kind of feel like shut down They're in or kind of made to feel, yeah, they're made to feel like they're in sin for struggling with these really difficult questions. I mean, that's a big, big, hairy issue. And in like, you're not the first, you're not the first person that's been really bothered by it. <laughs> like, like people have been bothered by it for, for centuries and there's, there's lots of conversations that can be had around that, that issue. Um, so yeah, I just, I, we have a lot of people on this podcast who talk about walking away from the faith. And part of it was like that they had these big questions, these important questions that they didn't feel like the freedom to explore. But at least in your instance, there was like that, that dude, the chaplain that was like, Hey, let's chat about it. Yeah. And, and my experiences, I I would say like my personal experiences with, um, religion and church and things like that have been really positive my my lutheran church i mean the lutheran i always say it's like the the really like laid back surfer version of christianity as far as i can tell because you have the pastor with his like chill robe with the little colorful thing on it and he just kind of hangs out and talks to you and it's not there's no real fire and brimstone um it's very laid back and it's very like peace and love and take care of each other. Um, And like I said, Bible camp was an amazing experience. I had um, so much fun there. 
Um, and, you know, at the school, it was Episcopalian, so we had chapel every morning, but it was very, again, like, very laid back. Um, I don't know. I, I, It's not like there was ever one thing that happened to me that, like, traumatized me. Like, oh, someone made me feel horribly judged or, you know, I never had anything like that. Um, and even within my family, you know, them being more religious was never, it was never an issue. They weren't like, you're living in sin or, you know. Yeah, I was going to ask, you know, after you kind of came to that decision or, you know, left the youth group and that kind of stuff, like, was there any awkwardness with your mom or with your brother? Because I know you said they're still kind of in that Lutheran world, but it sounds like there wasn't really. Yeah, no, not not a lot. My brother and I um, had like one debate about it, I think, and then that we just kind of realized like that wasn't going to pan out with our personalities and we just like left it after that. Um but yeah, he, I mean, we still see each other all the time and, um, you know, love each other's kid. You know, it's, it's just never really been an issue. Oh, well, we actually have him here on the line right now. So uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh right. my gosh. I didn't see it coming. Um, that's like our, that's our version of the, that would like be amazing. Maury, like we the talk show or Jerry Springer. And the We're Christian bring group, uh, faculty advisor is here as well. That's right. We got uh, yeah, straight. F- we got him live from Ghana. Um, the old chaplain <laughs> on the line. <laughs> oh my gosh! He's, he's really disappointed that you oh, never geez. came and talked to him. Oh man. Uh, so you're married. How long have you been married? Well, so again, that's kind of an interesting question. Um, we. So we're common law married. We actually have not ever had a wedding. Oh, interesting. I think you're the first common law hey. marriage person we've had on. So this is the first. Oh, congrats. Big accolades there. Congratulations. We got a um, a marriage license like many, many years ago when our first daughter was a baby. And then we just like forgot about it and it expired. And I mean, that's just how much we kind of cared about the legal aspect of it. It was never... I don't know, like we're kind of of the opinion that the government doesn't need to be involved in our relationship. So it just, I guess we just both kind of weren't that into it. Not committed enough to fill out a form. <laughs> to the idea anyway, not saying anything about your commitment to each other at all. <laughs> we actually have talked about having a wedding now that we have like property because the wedding that I want is literally like a bonfire and a feast. That's just, that's all I want. And music. Bonfire feast music. And I want my family to like camp in the woods. So that that's the dream. And so you'll have three kids. Is that right? Uh, we have four kids. So yeah, we've been together. Uh, yeah, we've been together since uh, 2004. So I actually met my husband um, the day after I graduated and flew home from boarding school. <laughs> and I met him in our town. Um this town that we live in now. So we have a lot of history here. And yeah, so we have four girls, like I said, 13, 11, seven, and then um, our youngest is four months. So we just had the new one. Did you always want to have a big family? I did. Um, Well, I mean, when I was old enough to like, accept that having babies is painful. When I was younger, I remember being like, no way, I'm I'm never doing that. (laughs) Like, that's never going to happen, which is funny because then I ended up like having all of the babies at home with like completely unmedicated. I I never would have imagined that I would do that. (laughs) Respect. It's actually because I'm like terrified of doctors. That's a... That worked out great. (laughs) So this is like a a big question that could be answered in a lot of ways, I'm sure, but... I'd be curious to hear like how being a mother has shaped you as a person. It's probably the biggest aspect of my identity. If motherhood was one thing and board game designer was another, motherhood would be like 100 times larger, if that makes sense. I had this really distinct memory of when I I won that scholarship to the boarding school and my grandma, who was like a 1950s housewife, had been through that whole kind of feeling oppressed thing and she she asked me over lunch she was like well where do you see yourself in 10 years and I really hope that I end up with some property in Montana and I want to have some kids and like homeschool them and <laughs> um, maybe have some animals and 
she was just horrified. What a waste of your talents is what she said. And I've always thought about that. Uh, and I think I, I understand where she was coming from. I don't think it was, I don't think it was like maliciously said at all. Malicious like, or No, anything. she just, yeah. you know, grew up in an era where like women were much more limited in what they could do. And uh, she wanted me to have the freedom to do what I wanted to do. It just really shocked her that that was what I wanted to do, I think. Um, but my kids are honestly like the reason that I um, want to learn new things every day. They're the reason that I want to be a better person because they look at me like I'm like a genius and a supermodel and like <laughs> a saint, you know, all these things. Like that's really how they treat me. And it makes me want to live up to that as much. Like I can never achieve that actual standard, but like it makes me want to. Um, do do the things that will make me worthy of that that kind of admiration. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I can't imagine my life any other way. I can de- I can definitely identify with that. It's uh I have three of my own and uh three kids and um they remind me constantly of how I'm not as good of a person as I would like to be. <laughs> <laughs> so in a good way. I'd be happy to. Way. I'd be happy to help remind you of that too. Anytime. Sweet. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I need it. Well, Liberty, it's great talking to you. Is there like a what? If somebody wants to follow what you do, the work that you do, is that what's the best way to do that? Just like look up your game online, or do you do Twitter or anything that you would encourage people to like check out your work? Yeah. So I'm. I haven't been very good about updating my social media um, as far as Twitter and Instagram goes. But you can follow me at Lightheart Games. Lightheart Games. And if I actually start working on anything new, that will actually change. So I will end up um, updating people on what I'm working on if and when I get around to doing that. And then yeah, you can totally friend me up on Facebook. I'm always up for that. And that's probably the, the only place I really post anything <laughs> right now. And where can people go other than Barnes and Noble? What would be the best place for people to buy Cristalo? I know that it's in hobby distribution, but I don't actually know where. So just type <laughs> Cristalo into Google and go buy it somewhere. And that's C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-L-O, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, go Google it and find it or go to Barnes & Noble and see if it hasn't sold out in your Barnes & Noble and, uh, and go, go definitely check it out. Um, it's, I'm trying um, to remember what the three Ps were. There was pretty, puzzly, and I can't remember the third one. Portable. Portable. All right. So, if you want pretty, puzzly, and portable. Yeah. So, you can stick it in your backpack or your purse or whatever, or whatever you use to tote things around. Yeah. There you go. Well, it's Great hearing from you, Liberty, and hearing your story, and uh, definitely encourage people to go check out your game, and hopefully maybe we can chat again sometime soon. Yeah, thank you so much. It was great, great to meet you guys. 